0: Hi everyone, so today we're doing something completely different. It's time to finally turn the mic around and put the focus on Kevin P. Martin. Uh, Everyone will know from the recent podcasts that have been going out that the Life Gym series has been focusing on talking to people and getting great insights. We thought would be great is to get some insights into Kev's world and what Kev does. So today Kev has graciously uh, allowed himself to, to be vulnerable and put himself in a situation where he's gonna be willing to answer lots and lots of questions about his personal yeah. life, about what he does, about about his
1: job and stuff. So uh, thanks, Kev, for agreeing to do this. Yeah, this feels weird. <laughs> yeah. And and listen, you know, it was a great idea. You know, when you said, let's let's turn the mic, you know, back on you, I, I was just like, well, I'm not quite sure, um, but I'm ready for it. Let's go. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, cool. So I think the first question
0: is a big question that lots of people ask themselves. What is a a life
1: coach? Okay, cool. So, coaching itself focuses on the the here and the now. Um, it doesn't focus on historical stuff, although you know that might come up in conversation. Um, it really is about how can you move forward. You know, it's not really looking back; it's always moving forward. It's it's in the moment, um, and the key to coaching, uh, if you if you're a coach, is being very very curious. Hmm. Um, when you're talking to your client, very curious and lots of lots of open-ended questions as well. Okay. And how would you describe the uh,
0: the process that you go through with your clients? Would you say it's continuous? Is it there a clear start and end to your clients? What's what's their journey like with you? How does that work?
1: Yeah, listen, that's a great question because I've got clients that I've worked with since inception, since I've started, um, and that's continuous. Like you said, it's almost mm-hmm. like there's no end date to that. Yeah. Um and then I've I've had clients that we've worked we've done one session. Um you remember Leone, we literally had one session. Yeah. Um and then I've got clients that three, six, nine months, it's it's continuous, you yeah. know. And um what usually happens with clients is we have uh, a two hour session t- to start with. Um and once we have a great conversation, after that it kind of just takes shape, I guess. And I just want to go back a little bit when we're we talking about um not
0: dwelling on the on the past too much Mm. so really what i think one of the key questions that people might ask themselves before going to hire a coach is what's the difference between a coach and going to a therapist
1: yeah that's again a great question so a therapist does focus on historical um you know things that have happened in your past trying to understand why um and they do some great work you know they do amazing work um and a coach, a qualified certified coach um what what we do is we focus like I said, on right here right now, and it's a shift to moving forward um, and there's loads of different techniques we can use and that we use um, but that's the main difference both both um you know uh, therapists and coaches do great work, I think, um, but there is a difference in terms of what we do
0: Cool Thanks. Cool. I think I'm really curious into how the process started for you wanting to uh probably get into this world and become a coach how did that happen for you what what was your route in and how did you get there
1: yeah and you know i'm smiling because i remember it like yesterday um i was the ceo of a company called boss trinidad in trinidad it's a small island 1.5 million people of course i was born there grew up in london and um so I went out there and I was working for this company. I was 31, 32 at the time, young CEO sort of thing. Yeah. And always looking for that continuous improvement, right? And I'd signed up to this, I think it's Aussie OZY, this website that does real cool um, news newsletters, really funky stuff. Yeah. And um, I got an email. So I used to get emails from them. And I stopped receiving emails one, one day. And then I remember thinking, oh, I'll be checking my junk mail. For you know, from my um my mailbox, and in the junk mail um, was a whole bunch of Aussie stuff, so I just deleted it all. Next day, I came in and there was an email from Aussie in my inbox that actually said um, who co- uh, something about who coaches young execs. So I was like, I'm a young exec. That's interesting. Let me let me think about that. So clicked on it, um, went through to the article. Of course, the article was about a coach who was. Offering his services and a bit about his story, so I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." Went onto his LinkedIn profile, um, and then from there, I noticed where he did his training, and it was the a, a school called the Coactive Training Institute, which is the yeah. Ivy League. It's like the most, the oldest, most prestigious coaching school there is going, um, and they've got them all over the world. And of course, being in Trinidad, um, we're really close to New York City and that was it i went to the board of directors and they said look we've got this um i did my research of course this this is coaching company and i'm really interested in 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 doing this and this is how how it's going to benefit the company as well yeah um they approved it and i was on a flight actually took em and the kids as well we used it yeah. to to have a long a long sort of like a, an extended holiday as well um and off i went
0: cool.
1: that's it and
0: so oh uh, what's the benefit of people in business especially people in that position ceo and yet still looking for this continuous development getting into the coaching world yeah uh, what what would be your advice to people in a similar situation who maybe haven't gone down that route so you you already managed to become a ceo yeah. you're already in a very very successful position i guess and, and a lot of people out there would probably think to themselves i'd love you know to to just reach that that height in a career yeah so what was it that pushed you specifically about getting coached what did you want to get out of it personally? Mm.
1: That's interesting. So I think what was driving me so I've always had this um connection with people and I know a lot of people say that, but I've always, you know, people used to come in my office <laughs> and they would sit there for an hour and people say, What are you talking to these people about? And I've got my work to do, you know, running a company is very, very difficult. Um and it's not just a department, it's a whole company. Um And, you know, people would come to the office and I was always curious about people and their development, what's going on outside of work for them, what drives them. Um, And I guess it was more trying to understand levels below that. So we all know we we get into work and we do things, but why? Why do we do these things? Why Mm. is our behavior um, the way it is? What's happened? What forms that? How do we think? I mean, it just... on and on and on and I guess I wanted to understand what drives me and um I was just really curious about that in terms of development
0: and do you think that it's only for certain types of people then do you have to be open just you have to be curious about people to be coached or do you think coaching is generally something that no matter your personality type mm. you're going to get something from it do you feel that some people are maybe too closed off and they're not ready for coaching what's your experience with types of people and approach and being coached
1: and you're talking about people like clients right yeah so yeah.
0: i mean because there must be a lot of people out there that might think that coaching's for them and but we get people that are very open we get people that might be very closed mm. people that don't like to tell other people what they're <laughs> feeling so yeah i'm just wondering uh what, what sort of people do you think benefit from getting coaches is it well
1: it, what i'd it, say is like um first thing you don't need a coach right you know you'll see lots of coaches saying yeah you must hire a coach i disagree with that
0: at this part the marketing
1: department at Kevin P. Martin is very very scared <laughs> yeah and i would say you definitely don't need a coach but i'll tell you now if you do hire a coach um depending on the type of coach you hire of course um you'll definitely see a shift mm-hmm. um it, it any any client, so any person can be coached. Mm. Um, it, it's that want. So I've had clients come to me and say, "Right, let's do some good work together," and this and this is what I really want to achieve. And you know, I've been like, "Look, we're not going to do that mm. um, because what you're trying to achieve is not what coaching is." Mm. Right? It sounds like you 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 more need like a some sort of business strategy um, type person, maybe like a PR person you know anyone could be coached but i've had clients that turn up to sessions or they turn up late and then the session doesn't doesn't take place because you need to there there needs to be a want Mm. to be coached there's a want to achieve something and those are the people that we're specifically interested in now you might think right now well i'm i'm okay but in a year's time you would feel that there's a need or want for that and that's Mm. when you reach out to I think
0: it's really interesting that like you say people might comment, and they have almost like these demands, I need this from you, make this happen. And you might think, well, that's not what coaching coach meant no. for. What would you say that you personally have managed to gain and achieve from coaching so that other people might think, oh, okay, that, that's what you go there for. That's what you get as an outcome.
1: Mm. Well, that's, that's a good question to get because I, I was coached by a guy called Ron Renard. And Ron Renard is... You know, he's like the rock star of coaches. I mean, he's super expensive, but um it was worth so I I figured when I was going through my training, you know, to be fully certified, I needed to hire a coach that would really expose and be curious and, and all the techniques that he's he's been in for years. Hmm. I think he's worked with people like Nike and you know, the uh, I think I think NFL people and stuff like that. And what what worked really well with Ron is you know, based on his techniques, I was able to develop who I am um, and really understand what. So look, it's kind of like you can't just start coaching people unless you've actually been coached yourself, mm. which is mm. really important because then it feels kind of fake. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And what CTI teaches you, that's the Coactive company, is that part of the module is part of the whole thing is you have to be coached as well. Mm. And they don't push it and say you know you need to hire one of our coaches and this is how much you need to spend. Coaching can cost anything from thirty pound a session right up to thousands, depending who you are mm. and what you're willing to um, <laughs> what you're willing to charge. Right. Mm. So yeah, going back to it, Ron Renard was my inspiration. My my um, definitely the person who who helped form my techniques as a coach. Thanks very much. Okay. Great insight. And. I
0: think what we'd be really interested in knowing is a bit about your your journey. How long did that journey take? <laughs> I think what we're really interested in is what was your what was your lowest point? What was the most difficult point about going through the process and what was your highest point? What were you like most proud of or, or what do you regard as your highest accomplishment as well? Yeah.
1: And when you say that, do you mean um So the journey of you've um
0: been a CEO, you've then yeah. been to go get coaching and yeah. then at some point you've gone, this is it. I actually want to become a coach. I want to start my own company. And you've gone through this whole transitional period in your life. Mm. And at times, I'm guessing there must have been a lot of fear. To mm. Start something new, putting yourself out there, leaving an absolutely amazing job and position. Yeah. Uh, so there must have be, I'm sure, some some lows and some highs in that journey. But just so that we can get an insight into your life a little bit about what happened on that journey? Would yeah. you mind showing us your 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 lowest point of most yeah, yeah. anxious or fear, and then your highest point of accomplishment?
1: Yeah, there's two actually. One was continuous, and um, that I'll tell you about that. So that one is uh, was I used to wake up every morning before being coached um, when I was a CEO, and I always felt that I'd wake up and feel really the best way I can describe it is really cloudy. Mm. I'd wake up, and the first thing I'd do is grab my phone. I'd uh, look at staff, Emma and the kids will be sleeping. And, you know, that first 30, 40 minutes is quite lonely, right? Mm. And I remember getting into the shower and just thinking, oh, for God's sake, you know, I've got so much going on at work. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, you know. And I used to feel like this is this is, this is is how it is, you know, when you're running a company, whether it's a big company, small company. And let me just be clear, you know, the company I ran was about 100 staff. So it's a decent size for, you know, when you're living in, you know a caribbean island but um i just felt so cloudy and then uh, again after going through the process with run the techniques that i was taught in terms of how do i start approaching my day really helped Mm. Um, and that was one of them but it was a continuous waking up feeling like crap Mm. you know just really cloudy not enjoying it enjoying work when i got there but Mm. it just felt weird like every day waking up and just feeling so drained before Mm. you started Mm. You know, and when was that final uh push or that
0: final thing that made you say, This is now the time to detach from this life, it's time to start a new chapter mm. and then go forward and, and start becoming a, a coach yourself? Yeah, well, how did you get through that? What did it take? At what point did you say,
1: Now's the time for change? Yeah, so the um, I think after we got back from New York, um, actually, the first session we had in New York, I remember coming out of the session. Um, on the first day and M and the kids met me and it was the Bryant Park. And I was, they had me in tears that first day, mm. the coaching, mm. you know, I literally cried my eyes out because they talk about levels of listening and things like that. And I remember thinking when I was going through school, like I was actually stupid, mm. you know, thinking like, how, you know, I, I got hardly any GCSEs. oh my God, what the hell? I'm just going to be working for the rest of my life and not really understand. And then when they spoke about how we listen, and the techniques that we use. I realized I never really listened at the school. Mm. I was always sort of concentrating on other things and sort of daydreaming. Um, but that day was the day that made me realize, I remember saying to Emma, this is it. This is what I want to do. I've realized that my time with people that I spend, they would come into my office and spend like an hour together. And sometimes the kids would be in the car waiting for me and I'm outside talking to an employee and Emma used to film saying, look how long he's bloody taking <laughs> mm. Um, That made me realize that passion or that whatever that is connected to coaching is basically what what i was you know my calling i guess if you want to call it that yeah um um what was your
0: highest point of accomplishment what was the best bit about going through the process and and detaching from being a ceo and starting a new life as, as a coach and going through hmm. the coaching process what was your highest uh accomplishment in that time
1: Yeah. So, I mean, transitioning back from Trinidad to England, it's a massive move. You know, we feel like we're travellers. We're always moving. And the amount of houses we've had in the last eight years is is ridiculous, right? Um, There's a a slight low before that high. And what happened was um, there's a guy called Peter Bosnow who was MBE. You know, he he was at Clement High School and he was basically my English dad. He looked after me when things were really bad. I was involved in the wrong crowd. It's a long story but in a nutshell Pete died recently about a year and a half ago. We were mm. still in Trinidad and I got the news. I was actually at work and Emma called and said this has happened. I said, like, "Jesus." And I remember thinking then that was it. That was my lowest point. Like, mm. you know, even even as a coach I was and and you know, we came back for the funeral and whatever and did all that and then we flew back a week or two. I think it was 2 weeks later and got back to Trinidad. And it was early in the morning. I think we got back at two or three in the morning. Emma and the kids went to bed. And I woke up at, I think it was seven o'clock in the morning. Didn't tell Emma, certainly not the kids. And I went up to Bobby, who's the owner. Bobby was, again, another amazing person, one of my mentors as well. And Bobby, um, I called him said, I need to come and speak to you. And he was like, okay, cool. It's seven in the morning, Kev. I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. no, but I need to talk to you now. And went up to his house and I I quit. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I want to quit. He goes, but hang on, you're a young guy, you're running a company, you're paid well. um What are you going to do in England? Because I said, when I going to go out to England. I said, I'm going to run this coaching company. He goes, yeah, but you don't have any clients, you don't. So that was the big risk. And that was just absolutely knowing. Now, that was part one. And then I got home, obviously, Emma wasn't too pleased. You know, you've mm. sort of quit your job. What do you mean you've quit? You don't have anything, at least get a job while you come back and that sort of thing. I was like, no. But there were times when we were transitioning back, you know, before the move, when I was just absolutely low. I remember walking around the park in Trinidad saying to Milan, you know, good things, good things will happen to people like us because we just keep going and going. And even after telling him that, I used to think, Jesus, is it actually going to happen? I don't know. Because, mm. you know, I'm, I've quit my job where we, we did two holidays a year. I traveled the world. I've been all over the world with this job. The company's been so good to me. And I've just given it all up based off some sort of intuition. You know, we call it captain. There's different words for it in terms of coaching. But I just knew I had to do this. But there were times when I remember waking up thinking, what have you done? Mm. How are you going to do this? And it was really worrying, actually. But I just knew it was going to work out. So so that's the low, I guess. Yeah.
0: What advice would you give? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people, especially I think people that go from having a very steady job, Mm. to then go self-employed. And they probably go through that exact same process of fear. And I know I've done it before when I've left a job and I've then gone into self-employment. And you know you've got the ability and the skill to do what you want to do. But then there's also a fear of, i am now leaving something that's secure to so do something very risky, especially yeah. if it's client- based, they so haven't got the clients already. so what what advice would you give to anybody that's in that position where they're currently in that job mm. and they just haven't taken that leap of faith yet, what advice would you give?
1: Yeah, I mean, and there's so many different scenarios, and I think the first thing is to understand what what is it that you want to do. Mm. um So many of us are working um, nine to. This is used the old cliche nine to five. You wake up, you sleepwalk every day, you grab your phone in the morning and off you go. um You go into a job that you absolutely hate, and you're just a number. Let's be honest. Mm. You know English companies. I'll tell you now. Are, mo the ninety odd percent of English companies are awful when it comes to employee welfare. You know they're not good at all compared to our American colleagues, um, but the advice is try and understand what you want so if for example you want to be a coach you need to start understanding so you've made that decision so you're working and then you start turning your your evenings into coaching sessions you know and one thing's guaranteed if you do that you're not going to have any time in the evening Mm. and if you prefer sitting on the sofa watching netflix um or, or sitting in the evening spending all your time with your family that's cool but that's a decision you need to, to take it's either that or start you know we call it a side hustle mm. start turning it you know you've seen it on instagram you've seen it all over turn your side hustle into your main and all that kind of stuff it's just that choice now again there's so much that sits below that because it's the behavior that drives what we do and the you know what sort of like what um your, your current situation mm. your world now is based off your behavior yeah, the things you've done has gotten you to where you are right now. I think that's great. So let's
0: talk a little bit about about behaviour. I know a few things that you love to uh, focus on is routine. Yeah, and then something else that you call the three M's mm-hmm. or M three as you refer to. Mm. So let's yeah. have a little chat about routine. Yeah. and M three. Okay, and, and let's chat about how the behaviour and the mindset of people is so important to their their career. OK. And and but basically
1: their, their overall happiness in life and what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so routine, I guess. Right. Yeah. Let's start with routine. Yeah. Routine is the most important, I think. So um, simply put, your current routine drives current results. Old routine drives old results. So, for example, if you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is grab your phone. You're influenced by the things you see on your phone. So I know lots of people, they grab Instagram and they flick up. They double tap to like something, and off they go again. Um, the science that sits behind this, and it absolutely does, is the first twenty minutes of your day is influenced by what you see or what you do. So, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, and we, sp- we were speaking about this earlier, and you know you're looking at other people and what they see and what they're up to, and oh God, look at my friend—they've got a brand new car they're in Dubai or in a holiday—you start not to feel too good about yourself. And that's an example. Mm-hmm. So, when we talk about routine, it's important that. You understand where you are right now in your life is driven by your current routine, mm. and what I like to do is I like to say we 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 need to. So if you want change, so you get people who say right I've got New Year's resolutions, and you say great, what are those? Well, I've got these ten things to achieve this year. Awesome. How are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to do this, and they generally fall off that those resolutions real quick, you know. And everyone jokes about it. it becomes that it's quite funny. And It's not, as far as I'm concerned, because if you have set yourself 10 new things you want to achieve and you've got the same routine, guess what? You're not going to, right. You're not going to achieve any of them. You might do. And if you do, it's quite lucky. Mm. Um, So what you need to do is, is disrupt what you're doing. And by disrupting it, it's basically introducing new things that make you feel uncomfortable because that's where the growth starts to take place. Mm. So routine, again, there's so much that sits underneath it, but routine is so key. Um, and i you know I always say that old routine drives all the results, and if you want new results, you need to change up your routine cool and then morning and night let's talk about um some of the
0: implementations let's talk about m three what does that what does that mean to the to the listeners and just uh yeah. give, us a, give an overview
1: yeah so m three is something so I've done so much research, and you know when I talk about the science that sits behind our behavior um so m three is there's three things that are key to 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 what we do right. Um, the first one is, um, the first one is mindset and there's so much that sits on the mindset. But I'll give you a couple of examples. So mindset is the first thing that you do in the morning. So uh, under mindset can be gratitude, whether you write some stuff down, um, whether you think about it, um, other things under mindset would be, um, visioning. So what does the future you look like? So, you know, what does future Kev look like? Th- this would be some of the things that you want to achieve over the next, year six months three months that sort of thing um and going back to gratitude so it's kind of a buzzword right now you know everyone's oh gratitude this and that's so cool and and what people make the mistake of doing when it comes to that specifically that which falls under the first m of mindset is they they just write down i'm happy or they'll just lie in bed and say oh thank you god for this or thank you 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 tend to fall into two categories right Mm -hmm. universe or god depends who you know what you believe in um but the difference is, and this is the key, my uh, gratitude is uh, only works when you mix it with emotion. So, for example, if I lie in bed and you know, I'm thinking I'm so grateful for Emma and for the kids, Milan and Cece, that's great, but you're not actually the same things. But if I if I mix that now, so as I think of Milan and Siena, and I think about the silliness that they do. And I start to smile. I start to get goosebumps. That's the emotion. Mm. And that's where the magic takes place. And that's where all the gold is. So when you think of gratitude, fine, good. But if you're just thinking about gratitude and saying it or writing it down, that does nothing for you. You need to mix emotion with it. Yeah. And sometimes that can be quite difficult when you don't know how. Yeah. And... Oh, it's gone, sorry. Yeah, so just talk us through the the next steps. Yeah, so the next one's um, movement. Um, so movement is getting your heart rate up for a minimum of two minutes at the start of the day so whether it's a light jog as we always talk about um whether it's literally doing five ten push-ups sit-ups whatever it is you need to get moving um some of my clients they've got kids so they would literally be running through the house with their children chasing after them that's movement um some clients would be as extreme as going for a run in the morning that's movement um yoga going going to the gym again 10 minutes 20 minutes half an hour once you're moving in the morning that's really important so you can it can be as little as two two to five minutes right up to a couple of hours in the mm. gym depends what you want to do and that's important because that really gets you moving gets your heart rate pumping mm. and it, it it's all clears the mind as well Okay, cool um the next one is motivation mm-hmm. and this is a big one so motivation as you know is um it could be audible books mm. It can be uh, a book. It could be listening to motivational speakers, you know, guys like Les Brown, Gary V, people like that. It depends who you want to listen to. I mean, there's so many, right? Yeah. Um, listen to the live gym. You could, <laughs> yeah, I could plug it now. You could listen to the live gym series. Um, you could listen to, so, so it, you know, music. Music's a really cool one. So I, mm. I've got, I got some old clients, man, and, and they listen to, you know, Biggie Smalls and Tupac, and that really works for them, and that's really cool whatever music works for you right all of that sits under motivation now the mm. key to to the m three is the first twenty minutes of your day um ideally you want to incorporate all three of these um all three of the m's mm. in into the first 20 minutes of your day um and of course things like not looking at your phone you know mm. all, all the clients I work with one of the golden rules are is that we don't look up you you do not touch your phone for the first hour
0: let's go into that a little bit deeper that's interesting because i think that most of the nation probably picks up that phone when they wake up. Yeah. That, that's just something that so many people do because it's just become the, the norm. <laughs> and we all know that it, there's actually tons of great things that you can do on your phone. But we also know the mm. destructiveness mm. or the, the negative effects of things like social media, especially on types of people in society. Um, so could you tell us why it's so important not to wake up and then first thing you do is reach out for the phone. Yeah. Can you go into a little bit and just give us your thoughts and, and views on uh, how people are today with their phones and especially social media?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, the first, you know, like we were saying earlier, the first 20 minutes of your day is influenced by what you do. Mm. And you're either becoming reactive or proactive. And like you said, 90-odd percent of the nation, I'm sure, would be reactive because they wake up, you know, guess what? The The alarm is on their phone. They snooze a couple of times because the, um, you know, the pillow feels so nice and soft and your bed's nice and warm. Um, And then you reach out and you grab your phone. And what you start to do is you start to look at, you know, whether it's a news app or a social media app. You're looking at one of the two things, right? And it could be video content. It could be anything. But you're looking at an insight into what other people are doing, whether that's someone famous or not. You're looking at what someone else is doing. And by the pictures or videos that you see, you then react with emotion. So if you see someone, that you're like we, we were saying that scenario. You hate your job. It's cold, and you're about to get up. You hate. You snooze three, four times, and you're about to get ready to go to work. And you see one of your mates or someone famous that's in LA or you know in Dubai, and they they're living the life, and they they're in a Ferrari, for example. You then loads of emotions kick in. Depends who you are and what you do, but loads of emotions will kick in, and some of those emotions can be jealousy. You know, it can be a little bit of envy, it could be like, oh God, you know, I'm frustrated that, you know. And then for the rest of your day, you you may not know it, but it influences the rest of your day. And that's a hundred percent guaranteed. And there's so much science that sits underneath that. Um hence why um the important the, the importance of not touching your phone, you know. Um yeah, you might use it for for an alarm, and I think that's okay. But I wouldn't recommend that anyone um, gets on their phone for the first hour. Mm. Because after you've gone through the M3 um, process, what happens is you are now 20, 30 minutes in. And again, that process, I said minimum 20 minutes, but it could be longer. Um, You're now 20, 30 minutes in and you've you've done some mindset stuff with emotion. You've had some movement, which is good. Um, And you've also, you know, had some motivational stuff on. And again, whatever that is. And now you're ready. Then you can jump on your phone because you've mm. already started your day in such a... You've prepared yourself for the day to be proactive. Mm. So now being motivated and being prepared, you then jump on your phone. Mm. Um, ne- never touch your phone in the morning. One um, hour. What do you think about people using their phones
0: throughout the day, the evening? Phones in general now, even if we don't use it uh, in, in the morning, for example, people often might come home and then they're on their phones. Mm. And it's it's one of those things that we check it throughout the day, we're checking it at night, we come home from work, to the point where you know YouTube is taking off massively, people are actually watching shows on YouTube a lot rather than telly. But are you worried at all that sometimes through what you've seen maybe in clients or just general society, that phones are creating a disconnect? And rather than social media, it's actually unsocial media. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I mean, look, the thing is this, right? Phones are absolute power. And I've said this so many times. Um, social media platforms, um, the fact that you can take a picture right now and upload it and someone in Trinidad, New York, wherever around the world can see it. You know, all the podcasts that we, we record are <laughs> done on my phone. You know, there's no other technology other than a phone that, you know. So phone is absolute power. Um, and I think it's an amazing an amazing thing um the problem that we have is is the behavior that sits behind you using your phone so we know social media um companies have hired people from the gambling industries um people from the alcohol industries to help people (laughs) to become more addicted to their phones that's fact Mm. that's online you can check that out but again i don't blame them for that i think you know, it's your behavior that sits behind behind the use of your phone. Mm. You, you mentioned people becoming more disconnected. You know, when you see someone, a couple that sit over dinner, you know, and they're both on their phones, is it that they're they're really that's oh, really bad, or is it that they just don't get along right now? Is it that they've had an argument? Is it that they're checking their phone because they need to, because you know, who knows what they're doing. Mm. Um it really comes down to your behavior around your phone, and you, it's up to you to control it. And if you've got a child, like we've got two kids, um, we have we have some cool rules that we've put in place that works. Mm-hmm. And they understand that, the morning they get up and they do their 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 routine. Um, they allow their phones, I think is an, an, an hour and a bit later, Emma says, right on your phones now, and they love it because they can check and catch up with all their mates. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the nighttime, it's the same thing, they're coming from school, They get an hour on their phone to chill out. After that, it's back into some... And again, I'm talking through our routine. Mm. The problem you've got is when, you know, little Frankie's always on her phone Mm. and mommy and daddy is saying, oh, this is really ridiculous. You're always on your phone and they're arguing, but they're not doing anything about Frankie's behavior. Mm. They're blaming the phone. They're blaming the child. Listen, let me tell you now, you will not get away with... um, You need to... Phone is power Mm. and it's the future. Mm. You know, you're going to get less and less people using laptops at some point. Um, phone is power and it's the future. And we need to understand that and stop shying away from from that fact and also stop blaming the phone companies and the social media. Co- you know, you control who you are and what you do. But again, we sleepwalk. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you talk about perception because it's behavioural.
0: If I was ignoring my wife because I was out all night and I was driving around in a car and I was just <laughs> hanging out chill my mates there would definitely be like, you know, why are you avoiding me? But if I am in the living room on my phone all night, that's just considered normal behaviour. Mm. I think it's interesting of, of why. Why do we not challenge that? Why do we not say do you actually need to be on your phone? Or yeah. are you just actually obsessed right now with social media? Is yeah. there an addiction issue? So I think that's really, really interesting. Um so here's the question. I think if someone comes to you and he said I-, I wanna build a better relationship we're struggling at the minute. We're probably spending way too much time on our phones, actually not connecting. What mm. advice would you give someone as a coach uh, about making a better connection with their partner and maybe trying to get away from how much they're on devices and things like that?
1: Yeah. And, you know, so again, just real quick, there's three things, and I should have said this at the start three things that, you know, that I do. One is, as you know, mentoring which is more of a conversation around, you know, here's some advice around what what you need to do Mm. um, and sort of shape their behavior and help them. Um, There's obviously coaching, which is more deeper questions, curious. Um, And then there's motivational stuff, as you know, which is really high intensity. You know, let's get up and go. No excuses. You know, you're talking crap. Don't believe it. Let's go, you know, pick yourself up, you know. Mm. Um, When it comes to a question like that, I think, the first thing i would never give anyone advice or coach them or motivational stuff around anything other than you know them listing out or talking to me about what what's the behavior like with the phone so let's talk through your day first thing you do in the morning and usage of your phone right through to the end of the day and then that would expose the interactions or non-interactions you have with your partner right and then from there you look at that and say okay cool here's what you do here's a map of what you do during the day with your phone mm here's the relationships it seems to be affecting, what do you want to do? Mm. Because you can give anyone advice, you can coach anyone, unless they want to change mm. or want to, to, to make a difference in terms of their behavior, they will continue to go back to the old ways.
0: Thank you for listening to Volume 1 of the Insider Sessions with Kevin Mine. We'll be back with Volume 2 next Tuesday. See you then.